but no, I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, it was a, it was about, well, McKenna's ten coming coming up. Well, she's ten now. She's coming up on eleven. So this would have been coming up on eight nine years ago. Um, Kara and I had the opportunity to go to see the Macy's Day Parade in uh, in New York City on Thanksgiving Day and. So early in the morning, my family was there, and so early in the morning, we made uh, the guys, not the ladies, the guys at about four in the morning made our way uptown, and uh, we got a perfect spot. If you've ever, if you've ever watched the Macy's Day Parade, anybody watch the Macy's Day Parade? Is there kind of their family tradition? We do it still. Um, you know, you have that shot where there's this, the tree lined, and that's Central Park, and then you've got the the Upper West Side there and right before you hit Columbus Circle. So we got there just a few blocks before Columbus Circle, staked out our claim. It was awesome. And uh, But as the light starts to come and, you know, we were there really early and people start to flood in and I don't know, I, I know it's, I think it's well over a million people come in and, and flood the streets during that day. And <clears throat> so McKenna was two. And Kara and, uh, and McKenna were coming uptown via the subway into the throng of people. And if you've ever been in a city with, with uh, a stroller, you quickly realize the city's not made for a stroller, and nor is a stroller for a city. Um, so, you know, it's always an adventure. And then you've got thousands of people just thronging. And there was one moment, literally, that Kara and McKenna were basically from me to the back row across Broadway, but it, they were shutting down the road. And there was like lining, the police officers were lining the edges of the streets, and they were putting up the blockades, and I'm literally begging a police officer to let me, let me get my wife. She's right there. She's right, I could see her. We could wave. We could yell at each other. We'd like, but if they, if, if I couldn't convince this police officer to let her through, it was literally going to be hours of her by herself with thousands of her closest friends, uh, uh, literally hardly if more than an arm length away from me, and I could not get there. It was just a weird feeling of being right there, but not able to to get to get connected. Now, thankfully, uh, the police officer had mercy on me, and uh, and let her through, and we got connected and got back to our spot. But it was just that weirdest feeling. I mean, I've never, you know, you see these, like in movies, you see, you know, these chasms and people are like this far away. And, but, you know, it was the first time in my life I've ever had that experience where my, you know, what I wanted so desperately, my, my family was right there and I couldn't get to them. And it felt like this canyon. And, you know, honestly, a lot of the times when we read the scriptures and we talk about the gifts of God, the good things God has, it's kind of like that. It's almost like they're right there and we want it so bad. We want that peace. We want that wisdom. We want that power. We want that miracle. We want that whatever it is. And sometimes in, through circumstances, but a lot of times through, the, through really just the, the deception of the enemy, we don't get an opportunity to embrace it the thing we want so bad from the Lord. And, and we're desperate for it. And so this morning we're going to be talking, we're in week four of, of talking about the baptism, or excuse me, the Holy Spirit. And this week we're, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, I would 
be silly to think that in Springfield, Missouri, that all of us in some way, shape, or form didn't hear those words and come with our own lens of how to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's been so many things around the packaging of what that means, good and bad, that that many of us come and we hear that and the danger is you turn it off and you get separated from the gift that God has for you. And let me just say, on the outset, my, my goal is to convince you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not weird, that it's good. It's a gift from God. It's not weird. It's God's gift to you. Um, but so many times, the packaging around that, our experience or the journey we've been through, the things we've taught, heard, seen, read, um, can, can be used and twisted by the enemy to separate us from the good things that God has for us, the gift God has in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, I just want to challenge you if, you know, pastor kind of set the time frame. So, it's 1131, we got about, we got a few minutes, y'all. It's, uh, okay, I'll say 40 minutes and counting. Um, but uh, maybe a little less, so hopefully, I'll, I'll try to go quick. But, but in the next few minutes, if you could, whatever the package that you have when, I hear, when you hear those words, baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever package you came in here with, I just, if you would, just maybe set it aside for just a few minutes just let's, maybe let's go back to the Bible and ask the Bible what it says about that. Could we do that? Just for a few minutes. No matter what you've seen or heard, let's just maybe go back to the Bible about it. And just for these minutes, and and, and matter of fact, I've titled it, Don't Be Deceived, Receive, because so many times our experiences or, or what the enemy says can deceive us to say, oh, that, you know, maybe that thing that you experienced years ago wasn't the work of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe, maybe that thing you saw, that proves, oh, no, you've got to stay away from that. Or maybe you've had teaching that says, this is, this is, you know, this was for back then and not for today. Whatever your package is around that, you know, there is some, there is definitely an enemy of our soul that is trying to deceive us, to separate us from the good things that God has for us. And so I just want to challenge you, my, the scripture I want to start out with is James 1, 16 through 18. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But this is just to set up maybe how to think about the today, just for a few minutes. But it says in James 1, 16 to 18, it starts out, don't be deceived. Now, that's not, that is not like a shame. Like, don't be stupid. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't be deceived, almost in a compassionate way. Like, don't let yourself be duped. Don't, don't, be, don't be tricked here. It says, my beloved brother. So it's, it's compassionately. It's like, it's like James is pleading, hey, don't be tricked here. My, my beloved brothers, my, my friends, my family... Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation, shadow due to change. Verse 18, Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creation. What I want to point out in the scripture, let's just walk through it here really quick. We've got it up here. Let me walk through it. First off, there's a potential as we talk about the things and the gifts of God to be deceived, to miss it by letting ourselves be tricked or by disqualifying it prematurely. 
The second thing I want you to see here is that every good gift comes from God. Now, how many good gifts come from God? All of them. They all come from God. So if we're talking about a gift of the Holy Spirit, where do you feel like it comes from? From God. Not a trick question. Comes from God. Comes from the Father. But what is it, what is it unique about the Father that we, that we know? Is that the Father what? He doesn't change. It says there's no shadow of change with Him. So it says every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, come down from the Father of light, no variation, no change. And then it says in, the, in the verse 18, it says, of His own will. Now, did you work on this gift? Is this, a, is this something that you earned? Is this something that you conjured up? Is this something that you worked for? Absolutely not. This is our Heavenly Father, who never changes, giving us a gift of His own free will. How many of you have had that person that you gave them a gift and they're like, oh, you don't need to do that. And you're like, no, 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 I, I do need it. Oh, no, you don't need to do that. And then it gets weird. Like, it's like you get into this debate. Almost like, you know, just take it. All right, fine, I won't give you the gift. You know, it's like, but, you know, the thing is, you didn't work on the, whatever God wants to give you, these gifts, regardless of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if it's whatever it is, these gifts, He wants to give them to you, and He did it of His own free will. Matter of fact, He did it before you were even in existence, when He already knew you were going to mess up. <laughs> it's nothing that you've earned. The other thing that we can know from the Scripture is that, is that He's at work. It says His own free will, that He brought forth by the truth. He's working. God's working in your life. He doesn't change. He's doing it out of His own free will. He's working, but He's also doing it in truth. And the last thing I want you to know, it's because you're special to Him. Why does He want to give us these gifts? Why, why even worry about the whole... Because he's, you're special to Him. He says, because you will be like the first fruits of, of my creation, my creatures. You know what that means? Have you ever collected any... Who's a, who's a collector here? Collector of anything? Oh, okay. So, collector of baseball cards... Uh, cars, whatever. If you're a collector, you realize, what's the most valuable thing? It's the original first run of anything, right? It's, it's, it's the, you know, it's the 50 style Mustang with the original leather interior. It's, you know, it's, it is the original business, uh, baseball card that hasn't been opened yet. Whatever the first thing is of the creator, it is the most valuable thing. And that's what God is saying. You're my first fruits of my creation, of my creatures. It's because you're special. You're the best. And I want to give you these gifts. So, my challenge to you this morning is that you've got a Heavenly Father that wants to give you a gift of His own free will. It wasn't for some other time. He's still giving gifts today. He hasn't changed. He does it because He loves you. He does it in truth. It's not in falseness. It's, it's not... It's true. But He does it because you're special. You're His first fruits. You're the best. And He wants to put it in your hands. So, that's the mindset. I hope you could just... Whatever package you've had before, let's come to the, let's come to the Scripture this morning about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with that in mind. So, let me, let me tell you what we want to talk about. 
I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it only makes sense in context of the other two baptisms. And you might say, well, what does that mean? The other two baptisms. Did you realize there's three baptisms that we find in the New Testament? There's three baptisms. And the Scripture, and I'll show this to you in the Scripture, but we automatically, we think maybe, when we think about what we just experienced, you baptism in water, you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, baptism. But there's actually three baptisms. The first baptism I want to tell you about is the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. You and I, when we come and we are saved, we are baptized into Jesus. What does that mean? It means we become His family. We're adopted in. We are saved. We are redeemed. All these words throughout Scripture, it's the baptism into Jesus. It says, if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it shows us that the Spirit is the one that baptizes us into Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one that does that. Now let me explain that to you first. It says, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, and free, and we are all made to drink of the one spirit. In Galatians, and I'll just read this to you, but in Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 27, it says this, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself in Christ. Really, it's not all that complicated. It's that when the Holy Spirit gives us understanding, we realize we need a Savior. And we listen to the story of what Jesus did when He came down to earth as a baby, fully God, fully man, died on the cross for our sins, and we say, you know what? I need that forgiveness that He came to give. And we are saved by faith. It's simply that. When we are baptized by the Holy Spirit into Jesus, it simply means the Holy Spirit opens our heart and mind to understand the truth of Jesus' salvation. Let me prove it to you. If you will look in, we're going to look at John and we're going to look at Luke. And these are the actual first converts. And you might be surprised to think that they realize that the disciples, when they were walking with Jesus, they weren't saved yet. You know, when Jesus died on the cross and He was resurrected, they were still having trouble believing. I mean, we see this, doubting Thomas. We see how Jesus had to reveal Himself. They weren't necessarily believing in what was happening yet. And there was a moment that we see when Jesus, after He was resurrected, it was, He was in 40 days, He was wandering, or not wandering, He was 40 days, He was, he was going among the disciples, encouraging them, teaching them, really helping them understand how all the pieces come together in His the fact that he came, he died, he was risen, and they, he was helping them to understand, put all the pieces together so that they could ultimately go and spread the gospel around the world. So he did that for 40 days before he ascended. So this is right after the resurrection. And if you look in John chapter 20, and we'll go over to 20, Luke 24 here in a moment, but what we have is we have, we have the disciples at this point, they're not saved yet. They're scared. They're huddled in a room locked, wondering what is this all about. They're seeing all this stuff. They're trying to understand, trying to make sense of it all. And then Jesus comes on the scene and, and helps them understand. And we, honestly, we see the first converts. 
We'll be the first to really believe in Jesus. It says this. On the evening of that day, this is John chapter 20, verses 19 and 23. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So it was a tumultuous time. They were afraid for their lives. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad they saw the Lord. Surprise. You know, if Jesus showed up, I hope we would be glad too. We might be a little freaked out, but uh, they were glad. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. So they must have really, really needed some peace at that moment. Because they were scared. You know, locked doors, and he said it twice. But then he says, As the Father has sent me, even though I'm sending you, And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold the forgiveness for any, it's withheld. Now, wait a minute. I thought thought we were talking about the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Jesus. It sounds like when he said they received the Holy Spirit, it sounds like we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's some confusion there. But really, what God, what Jesus is doing in that is that at that moment is allowing the Holy Spirit to open their mind. And the reason why I say that is Luke explains it clearly here. If you jump over to Luke twenty four thirty six and forty through forty nine, we see the same moment just from a little different perspective. And we'll see that this this moment of accepting Jesus for who He really is is separate from the baptism of the Holy Spirit right here in Scripture. So if you look in Luke 24, 36. So in essence, we're talking about Jesus says, I breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit. But really what it is, is this is the first baptism. And this is the Holy Spirit opening their mind to the truth of who Jesus is. And Luke explains it here. He gives us another perspective. He says in verse 44, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. So he is, same moment, he's in the room, locked door, they need peace, and he's speaking to them. That evening, written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, and it says in verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it's written that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in the name of the nations beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of this. So, this idea they received the Holy Spirit was really that the Holy Spirit opening their minds to the truth of who Jesus is as they see all through the Scriptures. You realize these were Jews. They had been reading about the pieces of God's plan of redemption, but it was when the Holy Spirit came on them and they, their minds opened and it clicked. And the reason why I can say it's different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because in verse 49 it says, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father to you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now we know Luke is also the author of Acts. And Acts is where we get the story of the upper room where the Holy Spirit baptized them in fire and they began to speak in other tongues. So we see here is that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus by opening our minds and our hearts to understand the truth of who He is and accept Him. You realize that without that act of God, that act of grace, that gift, we would be 
we would not understand or accept Jesus. The Scripture tells us that there are those that, that, that don't receive because they don't see it. Their eyes are blinded. Remember Paul on, on, uh, on his journey, it, it says it was, there was a flash of light and it was like his eyes became, he, he is like he had understanding of who Jesus really was. And that was the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to him in a much more dramatic way than maybe you and I, but it's still the same reality as the first baptism is God opening our mind, our understanding to him. It's the Holy Spirit introducing us to Jesus. The second baptism is the baptism by the disciple, of the disciple. It's what we traditionally, we see the water baptism. The water baptism. When we're baptized in water, it's another disciple baptizing us and acknowledging, I recognize their faith in Jesus and I receive them as a brother. And I together commemorate this death and burial of the old man and receiving the new man. Now it's interesting as I was thinking about this, you know, for me, you almost always think about baptism from the standpoint of what you do. You go in the water, you, 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 you. But really, baptism is a gift in, in and of itself. Can you baptize yourself? No, you can't. No more than I can marry myself. Baptism in the water, like we just saw, requires the gracious gift of a baptizer, of another disciple coming, standing with you. They receive nothing from this. It's an act of grace. It's a gift. They stand with you and they say, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. I receive you in to the family of God. It's another act of grace. It's nothing we do. Often we use the language of, I'm going to get baptized. When really it's, I'm going to receive baptism. I don't get baptized like I get a shower. No, I receive baptism by another disciple accepting me and baptizing me, acknowledging that truth, that faith I have in the Father and Jesus. It says, don't you know, and it's in Romans 6, 3-4, don't you know that all of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ? We were baptized into His death buried and then ends and says we t- he says that we are raised from dead by the glory of the father we that we may we might walk in newness of life so the second baptism is the disciple baptizing us into the family of god it's an act of grace the third baptism is really where we'll spend the balance of our time that's the baptism of the holy spirit and it's the roles reverse here so the Holy Spirit opened our mind and introduced us in an act of grace, something we didn't deserve, introduced us to Jesus and baptized us into Him. We now acknowledge Him. The second baptism is another disciple out of an act of grace accepting us and baptizing us in water. And then the third is where Jesus baptizes us now in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. All four Gospels agree is that Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now, if we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them said He baptized. 
He will baptize. He will baptize. He who baptized. It's all an act of Jesus. This is all talking about Jesus. So, simple question. Who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit? Jesus. It's not about what you do. It's not about how you stand or kneel or walk or do or think or say. It's about another act of grace. It's about Jesus baptizing you in His Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. You think, okay, so how do I really know that there's these three baptisms? Well, the Scripture is very clear. and I'll, I'll, It says in 1 John 5, 7, and 8, it says that the Scripture confirms there's three baptisms. It says, for there are three that testify, the Spirit, which is baptism of the Holy Spirit, the water, which is baptism in the water by the disciple, and the blood, which is baptized into Jesus. And these three agree. It's a picture of the Trinity. It's a part of our journey in coming to know the Lord. And the reason why I want to lay all this out for you is because I want you to understand and see this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a part of a bigger picture. It's a part of this beautiful picture of the the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, literally working together to bring you into His family and to give you good gifts. And remember, the Father what? Does He change? No. What comes from Him? All good gifts. Does He do it because we act? No, it's of His own free will. And why does He do it? Because you're special to Him. You're special to Him. Here, one more scripture about how it agrees, about the fact that you see all three. Acts 2.38 Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So that's what we have. And then you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we see, be baptized in the name of Jesus, forgiveness of sins, salvation, baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, we see it as three separate moments. We see it that it's God working. The last thing I want to point out, and then I want to look at some word pictures of the Holy Spirit, is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a third act of God's grace in your life. It's a third act. It's important for you to realize that salvation it is separate from baptism in water, is separate from baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? Simply this. Because all that you need to be saved is faith. You need faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Being baptized in the water is not about an issue of being saved. You may have heard it out throughout your life is that you've got to, the right words have to be said or the right moment. For you to truly be saved, your baptism in water has to be this perfect ceremony. And the reality is no, it doesn't. The only thing that is a requirement for salvation is faith in Jesus, that first baptism. But it's about what God wants to give you. They are separate moments. That's all I want you to realize as we look at the word pictures of what the baptism is. There's three separate moments in our journey. This is all about a journey. This is all about you and your walk with the Lord. That's why all this is important. Because if you don't understand this, if you don't see this in the Scripture, if you, if you let yourself... Be deceived and just lay aside the good gifts God gives you. You miss out on all that He has for you. And that's what I don't want you to do. Alright. Enough of that. We got it. It's separate. It's three different things. 
What does it look like? Well, let's look at some word pictures. This is, this is, this is fun to me. I love this. I love to really understand the word pictures. The scripture often uses these great word pictures to help us understand what, um, what are sometimes unexplainable. The first one is immersion. This idea of, of what does baptism of the Holy Spirit look like? Well, the word is just baptism. It's what we're, we're familiar with. The Greek word is baptismo. It really has two different connotations. The first one is it's the same word used when a, a ship is sinking into the water. Have you ever seen a ship sink on TV or something? Yeah, I mean, you see, you see that water bubble up and it goes in every crack and crevice and, and it literally like just engulfs the boat and pulls it under. That's the idea of being baptized. It's that it goes in every part of you and, and, it, and you are immersed in it. It's almost the difference between filling up a glass of water and taking a glass and shoving it in the ocean. It's, you know, it's different. It's immersed. The other image that I really love, that really, I just love the imagery of it, is this idea of being immersed in the same way you immerse fabric in a dye. And that, that dye, that color, goes into every whoop and weave and every strand and fiber of that fabric. And it literally changes its texture and its color forever. That's the idea of being baptized. It's just not, it's not something that is just a, a ceremony. It's this idea that when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are immersed and every fiber and color of who we are is changed by the image of God. The other image that I love is, is this idea of the explosive power. If you look in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word power in the Greek is, is dunamis. How many of you have used dunamis in a sentence last week? There's your challenge. You know, when I was hitting the gas, the dunamis of my car just took off. You can use that. It's this idea of power. It's, it's the idea of this explosive power, this, this power that, that is big, it's uncontained. It's this strength. Uh, one of the first times that the, this word entered the English language there was is in the 1800s, and uh, Albert Nobel, who uh, had invented something that ultimately would become his fortune, but he had invented this this substance that it, it exuded more power in an instant than anything that mankind had seen up to this moment. And he was this scientist who had a branding problem. And he was trying to figure out, what do I call this thing? This, this powerful thing I've discovered. And so he had a friend who happened to be a Greek scholar. He was talking to him about the substance that he had invented. And he was going to package it and, you know, and, and, and share it with the world. And he, he just asked him, like, well, what's the Greek word for, for power? And he said, dunamis. He said, oh, that's great. I love that name. I'm going to use it when I name my thing called dynamite. Dynamite. And it's this idea, this explosive power, this power that can't be contained, this power that's bigger than you. That's the word picture here in Acts 1.8. Did I show the picture up there? Did we show the picture of the dynamite? These guys... I often wonder when I pull out pictures of the internet, did that guy ever dream that he would be an illustration in a sermon? You know, he'd just probably stand there thinking it's cool, I get to blow stuff up. Uh, the third word picture that, uh, that we see in Scripture about 
The baptism, what does the baptism of the Holy Spirit look like? It's this idea of rivers. Not streams, not trickles, not fountains, but rivers. And Jesus foreshadowing the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in John 7, 38-39 says this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said, and I love this, is such great foreshadowing, particularly when you understand what he's speaking about. He says this, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, as for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So even here, we hear Jesus talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was so excited about it, he even said, if you call on me, if you come to me, I'll give you rivers of living water. It's the idea that God will fill you with His His presence, His power, His person to the point that it will just flow out of you and get on everybody else around you. Rivers of living water. The last, um, the last word picture that I think is really interesting about baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is interesting in the sense that it's connected with Ephesians 5.18. Now Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And, and I th- often thought about it, like, well, why, why does God connect being filled with the Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, with drunkenness, or the converse drunkenness? And you think about it, you know, have, have any of you ever been um, on a sailboat? Ever been on a sailboat before? All right, I have. One time, I got to go on a sailboat. And there's something awesome. I was on the sailboat, I don't know, 20-some feet. I was a kid. But it, when the wind hit that sail, and you weren't, it wasn't so much you were driving as you were riding the power that was around you. That you couldn't see. It was just such. It's it's just a very unique experience. And the the word when it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the same word as as the wind filling a sail, and you're riding that power. You know, it's interesting that the reason why I think it's interesting that Ephesians points out this idea of drunkenness as opposed to being filled with the Holy Spirit, is, is, isn't that often what the world wants to do? They just want to escape. They just want to, they just want to go get, get out. They want to forget. They want to you know, get to a party, get to somewhere. They just want to numb, numb out. They just want to ride some experience. And it often means they turn to some substance to help them get to that moment, to get to that buzz, to get to that ride, that out of themselves, that being carried along in the moment. And it's a twist on what God wants to give us. He wants to give us this idea of being of a life with full sails. We're, we're not so much driving it along as we're riding in the presence and the power of this awesomeness that helps us, as the, as the psalm talks about, rise above that it gives us peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds. It gives us the strength to have hope when there's no hope. It gives us the ability to experience miracles that we couldn't of ourselves. It's this idea of full sails, of being filled with this power from God. All right. So a few questions as we close. 
Why do I need this? Why three? Why do I need this third act of grace? If I'm, if I'm good, if I just got Jesus and I'm going to heaven, why do I need to worry about this other thing? Well, the fact of the matter is, you're missing out. You're separated from the good gift God has for you. You're not designed to do your life on your own. How many of you figured that out? Your life by yourself probably is not all that good. <laughs> I know, I've tried. It doesn't work really well. I get myself in trouble. I mess things up. I make bad choices. I, I, you know, I have a tendency to drift. All those things. It's, why do you need this thing, this power from God, this gift from God? It's because you, He knows you are designed to be partnered with Him, with His power, with His strength to make this life all that He wants it to be. The second question is, why are they separate? Why are they separate experiences? Why does it all happen at one time? Why make it, why make it difficult? Well, it's what we talked about already. It's, it's, it's what it says in the Scripture. It says that we are saved by grace through faith. He wants to make it separate because he doesn't want anything to cloud the reality that you didn't earn your salvation. So by coming and being, you know, receiving baptism in water, receiving baptism in the Holy Spirit, if they are separate from the moment that you are saved and, and baptized into God's family, then you realize those are, then that, you didn't earn that. You didn't do any work to get to that point. That's why he wanted you to have it separate. The last question is, okay, how do I receive? How do I receive? I want to go back to James and then tell you my story and then we'll close. So James 1, 22 through 25 is just the continuation of where we started out this, at the very beginning. And it, he repeats this word about deception. He says in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So in essence what he's saying is, when we hear the Word of God, when we hear the truth, when we sit down and read or you listen to a message and you hear it and you don't do anything with it, we deceive ourselves. In essence, we shortchange all that God wants. We allow the chasm to remain when we don't do anything about it. But then it goes on, it says... In verse 25 it says, But the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, meaning he acts, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Simply this. If you can, regardless of what you've experienced in the past, if you see that in the scripture that there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit, that's separate from salvation, separate from the water, if you realize Jesus is the baptizer, and if you simply ask, He wants you to receive. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you just need to receive it. You need to ask and receive. Lay aside maybe all the, the, the packaging that it was and say, God, I want to receive it as it's written in Scripture. Whatever that is, help me understand but I want to receive all that you have for me. I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to act. I'm going to receive from you. I wish, it, I, wish I could give you a better formula, but it's simply that. Is that he says, just receive. Ask of me and receive. Let me tell you my story and then we'll close. 
So um, when I was, I think it was eight, I was at camp. And um, I was, there was around the campfire, and there was preaching, um, and the speaker, and it was at night, and, you know, somewhere of third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders at this camp. And, and uh, the, the speaker was talking just about this, the, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and all that God wanted, the power, the, the strength, the, the working, the presence of the Lord in your life. And, and as a young, young child, I was hearing that. And, you know, I thought, you know, I want that. I want everything God has for me. And so, as we often do in, in the church settings, and we want to give an opportunity to respond, and the speaker did, you know, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you, just as the disciples did, lay hands on you and receive, and, and will you come up? And, and, and I actually went the opposite way. I went off into the woods. I didn't go too far, I could still see the fire, but I walked probably a good 30, 40 yards back into the darkness by myself, and, and I said, you know, God, if this is real, I want to just simply respond. And, you know, in my childlike way, I just said, God, you know, if this is real, I want to receive. And it wasn't a few minutes later, I was just walking back to my cabin. That was, that, that was it. There was no magic words, no, no long striving. It was just, Lord, if this is what you want, I'll receive it. And I was walking, and as I was walking, I just felt the presence of the Lord. And uh, I just began to speak in other tongues, and I just knew at that moment the Lord had baptized me in His Holy Spirit. And the reason why I tell you that story, not because it's a model. There is no model for this. God, God is a creative God. You know, I've heard stories of people being baptized in the shower. They wake up. Baptize the Holy Spirit, you know, whatever the, the, the experience is, that's really inconsequential. I just tell you that to realize that it wasn't anything I did other than being willing to receive. So as we close this morning, if you want to receive, the first thing that you need to do is, is remove the barriers. Maybe you've said in the past, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it just hasn't worked out the way you thought it would. And you've kind of put up a wall. Or maybe you say, you know what? I've never experienced the first two baptisms. I've never been baptized in water. I've never even accepted Jesus. And I, I, don't, I can't experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit based upon what you said unless I first experienced those two. Whatever it is, if there's a barrier, we just want to simply be doers of the word today. Very, very, just whatever the Word says, we're going to do the Word. So what I want to do in just these last moments, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm going to do it in three ways. We've got towels, we've got clothes, the water's right here. If you're here today and you say, you know what a barrier in my experiencing all that God has for me is I've just, I've never been baptized. Or maybe you were baptized as a young child before you even understood the, the things of the Lord. Or you've refused up to this point, And maybe it's become a barrier in your ability to move forward with the Lord. But the reality is, I brought a change of clothes. We got plenty of clothes and towels. We're ready. Right after service, we'll baptize you. So if that's you, here in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. 
But first, if you would bow your heads with me this morning. If you're here this morning,